Okay, we're, we're standing here amongst, uh, it, well, in, in the middle of a maze of, of, of dark stained cases. And, and the reflection and the shining back from the glass, it, it's, it's quite a strong visual experience where sometimes you see yourself reflected. Sometimes you're looking through three or four cases into the depths of the museum. And we do know that people really like the sense of discovery of wandering through this maze and um, coming across things that they've never seen before, even if they've been hundreds and hundreds of times previously. So um, we know the museum is a, a museum of anthropology and world archaeology, but what exactly does that mean in real terms? What are we going to see when we get to it? Well, I think, that, I think that kind of falls into two things. One is the way that you end up approaching it, and then the other bit is what you actually find in that approach. So you come into a museum, we're, again, we have expectations when we come into a museum of how people are going to present it to us. And in most museums, because they're kind of linear, that they have a starting point, a middle point, and a finish point, that everyone goes around in the same order, you expect to be told what you're going to find, then to go and find it, and then to be told what it was that you found and what kind of conclusions you're supposed to draw. And this museum is the absolute opposite of that. As you say, there are no routes around it. It's a maze. You start off and you might come across anything, and it's almost anything that humans make. So as you come down the stairs, the first thing you see is this wonderful pottery from the southwest of the United States. Incredible geometric patterns, flanked on either side by... Central American and South American pottery showing stingrays and monkeys, and on the other side, ancient Egyptian and Nubian pottery. And then you kind of go into the museum, and at that point, you make decisions about which direction you're going to turn in, and everyone starts to have an individual and unique experience because with 100,000 visible objects, everyone is going to look at it differently. They're each going along looking at an object, so you might get to the ivory case, and you're looking at a beautiful Fijian necklace made of carved sperm whale teeth and your eyes then drawn to the next object alongside, which is a carved ivory ball, um, no seams on it, 11 balls, all moving independently inside each other, and you think about the incredible nature of the carving skills to make that, and your eye kind of travels on to Inuit snow knives or bow drills or a, um, a hide a drum head showing man in raven's mouth from the northwest coast of Canada, and then you look up and there's a drum case in front of you, and next to that's trumpets in another case, and you've got triton shell trumpets from Japan and uh, um, animal horn trumpets from India and metal trumpets and bamboo trumpets. And you just kind of go on finding this incredible number of things. There's fire-making equipment, whether it's bow drills or lighters or boxes and matches. There's baskets. Um, this fourth, I'm just looking over here at 4,000-year-old um, netting from ancient Egypt um, alongside... Um, coconut fibre that would have been made 50 years ago. And behind us, lots of, of textiles and, and lots of basketry, um, and also lots of figures, human figures, animal figures. Um, can you say something about those cases, which obviously that's not such a, a functional type of object? Well, I mean, we talked about typology, about this museum being organised by how things are used. But, of course, there's a lot of ways of deciding how things are going to be used. Things don't necessarily have one single purpose. If you're going to have... I mean, one of the things this museum is very popular for is, is collections of masks, whether it's West African um, spirit masks or whether it's Japanese theatre masks. Um, so you can put masks together as being masks, but, of course, masks are used in performance. So um, further down away from the main mask case, there's a performance uh, which has got examples of um, Malay and Thai um, theatres in it and also 
uh, Indonesian Wayang Orang performance masks down there. So there's a there's a kind of mixture, and I think that is a confusion for um, for visitors when they first come in, but a rather wonderful confusion because each time you come to a case, you're discovering some new element of organising human objects together. And of course, we haven't I mean we haven't even covered a part of the ground floor, whether it's writing or magic or model boats or um, um, uh, baskets or whether it's uh, um, China or treatment of the dead and then you go upstairs and there's um, and you've got more performance stuff with the puppets the shadow puppets and then round to body arts and ornamentation which is a, a, another kind of performance that everybody well, gets I think the, involved in I think the body arts is an interesting one again that is organised although it's still a typology is organised differently than the rest of the museum, it's, um, it's a kind of gradually getting more and more extreme as you go along. So um, you might stop at the first case and there's mirrors in there and you know you, you start having a conversation about um, how mirrors were developed. So there's ancient Egyptian mirrors which you'd, which are very dark, you just put under a bit of water and use water or um, mirrors from a few hundred years ago that are kind of polished metal going right up to contemporary mirrors and then you kind of move on into um, how people might use those mirrors to put on makeup and you're looking at henna painting from India. And I know there's some contemporary makeup because there's my Bieber makeup that I donated to the museum a few oh, years really? ago when they did the body arts exhibition. Yes. It's only the tattooing equipment yours as well, I think. <laughs> um, it does get, there's um, some interesting ones on contextualisation along there as well because um, an important message of this museum is about the whole world, about us and about everyone else in the world. But of course, the us that we're talking about might be people from Oxford or might be people from Britain or it might be people from anywhere else in the world. So everyone is coming in here with a different sense of who I am. And um, I know that from walking around with um, uh, young people living in Oxford who were born in Africa and um, different parts of Africa and the way cultural objects for people light up almost as they walk past. So if you're walking along with um, Kikuyu people from Kenya, then Kikuyu objects will stand out. If you're walking along with British people, then those British objects are going to stand out because we have this personal understanding of what those objects are. And so we need those in the cases. So as you go along the um, body arts, um, after the makeup, you've got body painting and as well as the kind of Uli um, body painting from Africa you've got um, a boy with a um, cross of St George painted on his face from a football match so that all of us get some personal recognition out of what you're looking at. I, I do really like that about the museum the way we describe it is that it's, it's very democratic uh, not only are there no treasures no objects that are raised above any others and lit specially or put, put on a plinth in any way but but also there are no civilizations that are raised above any other. There's quite a lot of objects that, there are quite a lot of objects that are raised above each other. I'm just kind of looking up into the middle floor, and there's loads of paddles shoved into the rafters actually. Well, okay, in that way you are right. But um, I think it comes sorry and, and it, it comes back to a point of yeah to get all these objects there is stuff everywhere. So there's boats hanging from the ceilings, and there's these paddles in the rafters, and there's cases above cases. So you look along the you look along the textiles and. In the darkness above our spinning wheels, and in the case next to that are headhunters' baskets from uh, from northeast India. There, there just is things everywhere, and um, almost any type of object you want to find, man-made object, is going to be in here somewhere. I can see leather-working tools next to kites on the middle floor, or um, just getting a glimpse into the top floor of some of the weapons and hunting equipment. Um, 
And of course, one of, one of the really frustrating things I know is that there are some cases that are rather too dark to see anything in good detail. But when you arrive in the museum, you are offered a torch to go round with, and that really focuses your attention as things come into the beam of your torch. You really look at them much more closely than you would otherwise, and areas that are dark suddenly come to life. And most particularly, you notice how many eyes there are around the museum, because most eyes are the whites of the eyes is painted on or is made out of shell or some other glittery material and as your torch travels round even with the lights on you pick up the eyes and the faces that, and that animates the collection. That sounds a bit scary actually. Do you find that, do you find that scary or is that... Um... I, there's the occasional small child that has been known to be nervous but I don't think, I don't think it's scary and Small children are often distracted by looking at the very small wooden mice around the museum, which is our way of introducing small children into to museum visiting. And, and they very soon cotton on to that, and, and I don't think they continue to be scared, even if they were for a few minutes.